Welcome to Base Space. A crypto podcast. Base Space. Welcome everyone to the Base Space. Uh, for everyone new, tune in. See, we have some new listeners uh, not familiar. This is a crypto podcast. Was about myself, the crypto of YouTube. We also have Chase Coins and Super High. Uh, and the podcast is primarily focused on creating opportunities for growth, networking, and education in the crypto industry. Uh, for everyone not familiar as well, today we have the honor of having on Camilla Russo, author of The Infinite Machine and Chief S at the Defiant. Welcome to the show, Camilla. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're super excited. Um, and it's tradition here at the base space. Whenever we have a new guest on, uh, we always like to talk about how they got into crypto. We'd love to hear your story. Sure. Um, so my story, um, how I got into crypto was back in, in 2013 um, when I was covering um, markets in Argentina. So I. Um, my my past is that I was a uh, financial journalist at Bloomberg News before I left to finish writing The Infinite Machine and then founding uh, The Defiant. Um, so I was at, uh, at Bloomberg News in Buenos Aires and covering how Argentines uh, protect their, I mean, just like covering markets, but a lot of the stories were around how people protect their investments and savings against um, 25% inflation and, um, and get around currency controls. So currency controls is like when the government tells you what you can and can't do uh, with your money, like you were prohibited from um, uh, selling Argentine pesos and, and buying dollars, for example. Um, so in this environment, Bitcoin was uh, kind of gaining more adoption. And um, I wrote uh, a story on that and at the time like I had to really convince my editors to take this story about Bitcoin um, and like half of my editors didn't even know what it was so yeah it was it was pretty early uh, unfortunately I did not buy any at <laughs> the time um, I just wrote about it and, and yeah, that, that was kind of the one story just that sparked my interest in this space. And then uh, still at Bloomberg in 2017 with kind of the big bull market at the time, um, I took the opportunity to start covering uh, crypto more on a daily basis. Um, I was at New York uh, in 2017 and I was in this market blog for the Bloomberg terminal where we could write about whatever was interesting. So I started writing about crypto and then my editors just asked me to just cover the space on a daily basis. So I became one of the few uh, reporters at, at Bloomberg and really in all mainstream financial media to be covering crypto at the time. And I basically never left. That's incredible, yeah. I'm a huge fan of the book. Um, lots of lots of knowledge uh, in there. Maybe that's actually like a really good like place to start. Like, how did you initially come up with the idea to like even start start the book or start that journey of of documenting like the history of blockchain and Ethereum? Um. So the the book started as you know I I always wanted to be a writer. Um. That's why I got into journalism, and so I was always on the lookout for. Um, what would make a good uh, book idea. And while I was covering crypto in 2017 and the whole space was just blowing up and it was so fascinating and so crazy. Um, at the end of 2017, I was like, there has to be a book idea here somewhere. And so I started thinking about what was the most interesting story that hadn't been made into a book. And um and what was like the biggest story to tell. And at first, like, it was like, okay, Bitcoin, but there were already books uh, about Bitcoin, like Digital Gold uh, by uh, Nathaniel Popper had already been published and there were a few others. Um, so then I thought uh, there 
there wasn't like a digital gold but for ethereum like there was no like a history of ethereum book um that focused on kind of the, um, the the human side of ethereum and not the tech or not the trading side of it and so that's kind of the the book i set out to write and um i i pitched this idea well first i uh i i reached out to um uh to to a writer who like who could like recommend me uh, and like guide me through the process like I had never written a book before I had no idea like how you go about um writing a book so I I reached out to um David Enrich the the author of the spider network which was a book I was reading at the time um um and I just like it's the type of book that I wanted to write this kind of like Michael Lewis type book that uh, it tells like a non-fiction story in a way that reads like fiction and so the spider network which yeah I was reading at the time read like that so I reached out to David who um, happened to be in New York so we met up for a drink and I was like how do you do this and he said okay first thing you need is an agent and he was kind enough to introduce me to his agent and then I um I emailed this agent and said hey like I want to write a book about ethereum and the agent was like I'm in <laughs> which I was I was pretty lucky like I, I know that's not kind of how it usually goes I, I know it's really hard to find an, an agent to represent you so really grateful for uh Greenberger it's like my the literary agent that took me on um and and yeah after that like it was uh I, I wrote like a book uh, pitch which is almost like a business pitch like you have to write about uh, like why is your book different uh, what's your uh, target audience uh, any kind of like comparable works and how they've done and like it's just like this huge document and then um yeah I we sent that over to different publishers and Harper Collins uh, was interested and yeah that that's kind of how uh the the whole book got started um yeah and then like it was like 100 uh, over 100 interviews and um getting all the ethereum founders and then uh, all the early uh, ethereum team members to talk to me and like traveling uh to meet them uh, to meet them in person uh as much as i could so uh yeah i went to went to um Toronto to meet Anthony Diorio, went to Berlin to meet uh, Gavin Wood. Unfortunately, the first interview I did with Vitalik, um, I, I like I had to do it over Zoom, like we couldn't coordinate uh, to meet in person. But then I did uh, meet him in person for a second interview in Canada in at East Waterloo. And so it was like, it was one of the best experiences I've had um, researching for and, and writing The Infinite Machine, just like really immersing myself in the Ethereum community, meeting all of the early community members, going to all of the hackathons, all of the conferences. Um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. That's awesome. I uh, I, I love that story. And, and Mewtwo, he's actually recommended that I, I need to uh, take a, take some time out of my, uh, my busy schedule and, and read your book. But um, it's definitely on my to-do list. But I'm actually curious, like, early on in this process, did you have that moment where you're kind of like, Oh crap. Okay. This is a, this is a very tall order. And I'm just curious, oh, yeah. like what kind of helped you, if that is the case, what helped you kind of push through that? And what was like your favorite part throughout this whole entire journey? Yeah, there were definitely moments when I was like, um, what did I get myself into? Because the, the Ethereum story is, is pretty, it's, it, complicated like there's not like a single source of truth um which you know hopefully i i i, I helped uh, with that to like have someone uh, have uh, like one place for people to look at and and kind of find okay like this is uh, how ethereum was founded but at the time there really wasn't much um uh, if you know, if, if you've been a journalist in, in like traditional finance, it's like 
there's there's a website for a company that tells you all the information you need. There's like a um, like a press department that kind of can can check your facts and can like guide you to the right people. There's a CEO, but with Ethereum, it's it's as you know, just like a decentralized community and and network. And, and sure, like I I could speak to the Ethereum Foundation, but like that's only one part of of Ethereum. And and like yeah, Vitalik has his version, but uh, so many other kind of people were involved in um, in the creation of Ethereum, and and they they had like different uh, perspectives on on how that uh, how like the, the the creation and foundation happened. So um, there was kind of that part that like Ethereum was so um, like big and complex and composed of so many different people. And there was also just the the technical side of it, um, which you know I'm I'm not a developer I I I I I'm not like a technical person so that was the other kind of tough aspect for me was just like understanding um, how this thing works well enough to be able to explain it in just like very simple terms um, because the the goal of my book is for anyone. Uh, who, uh, who like not like the goal is for people who have never uh, heard the word Ethereum to be able to pick up my book and and read it and enjoy it. So uh, it's supposed to explain all the kind of technical terms um, about blockchain and and Bitcoin, but in in like very simple terms. So to do that, like I really had to understand um all, all of this tech myself so yeah um it, it was like pretty overwhelming and then I had this whole kind of a uh, map of people that I needed needed to interview um and and at the beginning like I had them like organized in post-its of like um you know like people that are still on like my to-do list that I need to reach out to and like people that I that I have scheduled people that I interviewed and people who have like declined and like in the beginning when I had like all the post-its on like the to do like to like to reach out um it was like wow like really really daunting like how am I ever going to uh speak with everyone that I need to for for the book um but yeah I mean I just like powered through it I was like okay I I have this book that I need to deliver, you know, like HarperCollins uh, signed this deal with me. Um, and, and well, more than that, it was just like, I need to do this for, for myself. Like it, this is a, a huge dream of mine. It's a goal I set for myself and I'm just going to do it. So um, I, I was super persistent. I just like uh, reached out to, to everyone I could, um, everyone in my network who who was part of Ethereum, and then um, you know, for example, I had interviewed uh, Charles Hoskinson at Bloomberg, so I started with him, um, and then he introduced me to Anthony Diorio, and then Anthony introduced me to like I think Stephen Nerayov, and then Stephen introduced me to Gavin. Um, and so it went like that. It was like starting like little by little and asking everyone I interviewed to introduce me to their network. And then I, I asked them to introduce me to their network. And and so it was like um, starting from just like like five people uh, that, that I knew that were in the very early days of Ethereum. I was able to just like uh, end up like interviewing over a hundred people uh, by by the end of the process. So, um, just it was just like all a matter of like becoming just like very persistent, never like giving up, um, and taking it like one step at a time. And it was through those interviews too that I was able to like do my research and like better understand the technical uh, side of it as well. Yeah, that, that's such an interesting journey and. I, I, you know, clearly you, you face a lot of adversity and, and tall, you know, mountains to climb. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned that you had to travel to a lot of places, but I'm actually curious, 
you touched on how you weren't really the most technical person, but you kind of just latched onto this very technical concept to like really break it down for people. I'm curious, what was kind of like the passion or the driving force behind kind of like seeing this mission through? Um, and then in addition to that, how did this book throughout the process change your perspective on crypto um, as you went into writing it versus whenever you finished writing the book? Um, let me think. Um, so I guess like the, the drive to, to write this book, even though, you know, it's a technical topic and I'm not technical. I think it's, it's because I, through like reporting on crypto, I really saw the potential of it and how it was uh, revolutionizing uh, finance and, and, and really had the potential to revolutionize everything, like uh, the internet itself. Um, and so I really kind of believed that the, the opportunity to be at the, the kind of on the ground um, when this whole thing was uh, starting and, and taking off, uh, it, it was just like a, a, a huge opportunity to be there. Um, and the, the upside was just enormous. It's like, okay, like if, if I'm uh, one of the writers who is able to um, uh, write about the foundation of, of this new paradigm, and I'm here at the, at the start and at, at the beginning, and I'm able to break this down to like future generations, um, that's like, I, I have the, like, the potential of making a huge impact on people's lives and like on the world. Like if I can make that big an impact with my writing, like I need to take this opportunity. So even if like, maybe I, I didn't understand kind of the code or like, like couldn't read smart contracts or anything like that, like I still under understood kind of the huge potential that there was in, in this technology and like, and, and therefore kind of in, in like the potential impact that I could make as a writer explaining uh, this technology to people. So that's kind of what drove me to, um, to finish this book and, and to understand it and to like get through all the tough um, parts of, of the process. Um, and then how my perception changed. Um, I guess like through just like a better understanding Ethereum and, and how Ethereum works and like how smart contracts work. Uh, it, it really kind of made me see that uh, that crypto is not just about money or like the, the financial aspect to it, which, you know, starting out, um, that's kind of how I, I saw crypto in the beginning. It's like, okay, you know, Bitcoin is, uh, and, and Ethereum is uh, some sort of like digital currency, like a peer-to-peer -peer cash or like with ICOs, like a way to raise money. Um, but then like, uh, you know, as I um, read like Vitalik's white paper and like his initial vision for it and and started talking to the early uh, community members, like remember at the time, like when I was writing this in, in 2018, like DeFi didn't exist. Like the term Web3, like, okay, maybe Gavin had like written a blog post on, on that or something, but it wasn't really something that people saw or like, you know, it wasn't really, it wasn't real yet because there weren't like many actual applications um, outside of maybe like a DEX that didn't work very well on Ethereum. Like maybe, okay, like people were issuing tokens, but maybe like Augur, they were, they were like very kind of rudimentary applications. So um, people back then, like, I, I guess like, didn't really see that or or like at least like myself like covering it as a journalist on the outside like what you saw about crypto was like okay like this is like digital money it's like okay like uh decentralized currency but by the end of the process i understood it's more than that you know it's like um it's a way to add like a value layer to the internet to add 
the like digital property and that can be used for so many other different ap applications than um than finance so uh, that's kind of how i came about with kind of the um the subtitle of, of my book which is about like ethereum is about creating a new internet you know it's not just like a new financial system or a new money but it's just like a new underlying layer for like all of the different applications that uh, that we use online so and um, yeah that's something that i i hadn't quite grasped um when i had just started writing the book i also camille i also saw that you are planning to launch like your own nft collection around the book uh could you talk about that with us and kind of the utility around around those nfts yeah i'd love to so I'm I'm really excited that I am the Infinite Machine is is going to be made into a movie. Um, there's a, a studio that uh, has the options to the rights of my book, and the idea is to make a feature film out of it. So not a documentary, but like a, a dramatized movie with actors and and so on. Um, and uh, this this production company made me executive producer so um i luckily have a say on how uh, the book is going to be portrayed and also how the the movie is funded and so uh, with with that uh, i i i proposed early on that we try to fund uh, as much as we can of the movie with nfts and uh, the other producers were were on board and so um that's uh, how kind of the the idea it came about it's like i i thought this is the first book on the history of ethereum um it really does make sense that the movie about the book is funded by the ethereum community using ethereum technology especially kind of as we're seeing that nfts really take off and, and become this tool for for creators like it just like wouldn't feel right to um, to do this in in kind of like us like in, in a way that that doesn't incorporate this huge explosion that that's happening uh, within ethereum itself so after kind of uh, making that decision that we would try to fund uh, as much of the movie as we could with with nfts um, the the next step was figuring out okay like but like, how do we actually do this in a meaningful way? And so the the first thing that was clear to us is that the, these NFTs need to um, have utility and like representation in, in the movie production itself. So what this means is that um, the Infinite Machine uh, movie NFTs are sort of like backstage passes to uh, production in different ways. Like one is that um, NFTs uh, have embedded like uh, movie traits, um, which will be revealed when the entire collection is sold, which it, it hasn't been sold yet. Uh, but once the collection is sold, um, these like movie kind of Easter eggs are revealed. And some of them are, for example, uh, that the holder is able to be um, an extra in the movie. Uh, others uh, uh, allow the holder to have their name appear in the credits. Uh, others are invitations to uh, the movie uh, like premiere. Uh, others are invitations to visit the movie shooting. Um, so, so that's really cool. And then uh, the other aspect is that NFT holders become kind of executive producers in the movie itself. So uh, NFT holders are members of the Infinite Machine DAO, and the DAO has um, a role in, in the film as executive producer. So the idea is that uh, over time, um, uh, uh, this is made into a DAO, and, and then that DAO has delegates, and then delegates can kind of represent NFT holders' uh, decisions on uh, what they they want to uh, uh, see or, or or like how how they want to uh, have the movie produced. So um, things like 
uh, hopefully, I don't like things, decisions about the script or decisions about casting or like shooting locations, like all of that stuff. Um, I think would be amazing to have NFT holders participate in in all of those decisions. Uh, So uh, I'm really excited. I think um, it's really kind of a first, like I haven't seen this um, concept tried before. So um, I, I don't know, I think it's it's really special to, for me to, to have started just like written this book and now hopefully the book will become just like the um, the first step and like uh, a base for like a much bigger community around um around the infinite machine and about the and around the the story of ethereum and then obviously you know like the um, uh, the infinite machine movie will be the first of hopefully many productions that uh the this dao will will support so um this DAO is, is being seeded uh, from the start with uh, with with funds from from sales. So like ten percent of of sales um, have gone into like a community treasury, um, and that will continue to be the case over time with like secondary trading fees and and so on. Uh, so th- there is kind of this this pool of of money that is is being seeded uh, from from like now. Um, for for NFT holders to have the capacity of supporting and, and funding other projects going forward. So it's it's super kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I think it's a beautiful project. And then the last part um, I want to highlight is that, uh, which is also pretty unique, is that the art of these NFTs comes from 36 different artists. Um, and these artists are uh, the majority are from emerging nations. So, you know, I'm, I'm Chilean. I, as, you, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I, I've spent um, four, year, four years living in Argentina. Uh, I, I have a, like a, a, a lot of passion for uh, bringing crypto to, uh, to emerging nations where this technology can really be life-changing. So I thought um, if we're doing an NFT project, I really want to include these communities. Um, so uh, yeah, these artists are uh, from countries like Cuba, Venezuela, uh, Bolivia, Chile, uh, Kenya, um, and, and, and many others. And they, they all created their versions of um, the Ethereum logo. And then we combined those versions uh, to have a 10,499 um, a collection of different versions of the of Ethereum logos. Uh, you should like all go check it out. Like the art is really really stunning. Um, the well, the avatar I'm I'm using now is from one of the artists in in the collection. Um, it's just like a colorful explosion of Ethereum logos. Um, I was a little bit worried uh, about kind of how the combination of uh, of these. Uh, pieces would look uh, because like we designed this and it had never been tried before and so it could have like turned out that you know the combination of all these different artist styles uh, would have turned out to be like not very pretty but it ended up up being just like gorgeous so (laughs) I'm I'm really happy about how how that turned out so yeah I think that's kind of uh, the the whole like the whole concept and idea of this collection um, there's we already had um, two uh, sales uh, which you know each of them uh, lasted for for a day and uh, we sold forty uh, percent of of the NFTs uh, and those were made to uh, reward the very early um, members of the community. Uh, and then the rest of the collection will be sold at, at a third sale, um, and the date is still TBD. We're, we're looking to finalize some kind of um, movie-related um, milestones before we, we make that sale, because so far we haven't really announced anything related to the movie itself, and we are working on, on a, a pretty cool uh, announcement behind the scenes. 
So we're looking to have that done to to have like something concrete to say about the movie before we uh, we do that uh, third sale. So uh, yeah, keep keep your eyes peeled for for that announcement for uh, when that third uh, sale happens. Wow, so much happening around this movie. <laughs> It's 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 pretty it's pretty exciting. Camille. I'm uh, I'm actually really really pumped about like the whole like NFT dynamic and how you're using it to to fundraise for the movie. I think that that's really really cool. I could definitely see that being extrapolated out to other movies, even like music artists, things like that. And then I love how you're incorporating the people that are most passionate about the movie and making them members of the DAO, right? Um, and being able to participate within the movie. I think that that's really the future of fundraising and and community involvement. Um, a different, you know, any type of creative medium, whether it's a movie, music, any any type of art form. So that's super exciting to see that you're you're one of the early pioneers in in testing out the waters um, in that in that area. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, there there hasn't been much done yet with like film and NFTs. I think like last year there was a huge explosion uh, with art uh, and and NFTs. So um, this is one of the first experiments. Uh, like funding film so um i, I don't know like I'm, I'm sure we won't get it 100 percent right kind of at the first try but hopefully uh, others will learn from uh, from what we do and 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 we can kind of hopefully be an inspiration for uh, other creators going forward like that, that would be amazing but i think it really is it really is an opportunity for for filmmakers globally to to use this technology and and use uh, this platform to fundraise to to raise um awareness to like include uh, like a global audience um so i mean in, in the same way that nfts have been such an amazing tool for uh, for digital artists uh, i think they they can definitely be a tool for for filmmakers as well yeah yeah 100 percent i'm I'm also curious, like, are you planning to mint, like, the entire movie as NFTs by any chance? Are you planning to do to do anything with that route? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I'm definitely open to it. Um, like, the same way that, you know, I did my, my book with, like, a traditional uh, publisher. Um, because, like, in, in the end, I want uh, this story to reach a mass audience. So... Uh, I'm I'm really kind of glad that I was able to have um, a big platform to to publish and distribute my book, and so that's kind of what I want to do with this movie as well. Like I want as many people as possible to to be able to access um, this movie. So hopefully, you know, the idea would it would be to partner with like. A big streaming platform to uh, do this with like a huge Hollywood uh, studio and and so on. Like I just want to go really big, um, so that's kind of on on like one one hand. On the other hand, I think I like as I'm doing now. Like I would want to leverage all of the Web three tools that that make sense to uh, connect with like the grassroots ethereum community like like this movie is about them so like i i would definitely want to uh leverage whatever uh tools are in in our hands um in in like the movie production itself so maybe we could do some some sort of hybrid where um where maybe there's like um like a digital version of of the movie cover maybe some of like the movie um, clips are sold or like airdropped to to NFT holders as NFTs. Kind of like you could imagine like as um, sports moments are are sold as NFTs. Like iconic moments in the movie could could be uh, made into NFTs. I don't know. I think there's there's like a lot to uh, there's like a lot of potential there to do some like really cool things. Um, but also, like, I would love for, like, the DAO and NFT holders to come up with, with those ideas, right? Like, I think that at some point, I would love for uh, the Infinite Machine NFT collection to kind of be out of my hands and, and for, like, the community to come up with, 
okay, like what are the, the best ways to, to leverage uh, this technology? Yeah, yeah. No, it'd be interesting to see like what the community does. Um, I know like Vitalik is obviously like a big part of the book and the story. Like, who do you think will star Vitalik within the movie? Do you think it will be a Vitalik? Oh, like I, I really doubt like Vitalik would would want to star himself. Um, <laughs> would play himself, but um, I don't know. Like people keep uh, coming up with with um like Rami Malik keeps keeps coming up as like a like potential good uh good actor but I don't like what do you guys think like I, I'm really bad at this like I'm I'm really bad at remembering kind of um actors names so <laughs> I don't know I'm not the best person to like I leave that to like the other producers to come up with good um casting uh, ideas uh, but I don't know I, I think that that would be that's going to be the, the biggest, one of the biggest news uh, related to this movie. Like, who will actually play Vitalik? Um, I don't, I don't know. It'll be fun. I, I think Vitalik should, should play. It'd be funny. <laughs> I definitely think that he should, he should play or uh, maybe uh, try and find someone to like CGI, maybe yeah. uh, a younger Vitalik, <laughs> you know, because it's, I think it's going to be hard to like find someone that, has like the same like uh, personality, right? As Vitalik and can like emulate emulate him and um, and everything. Like yeah, we'll have to be about, we'll have to know? be a really really good actor. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll definitely want to be there and and be like, you know, like doing quality control. Like no, that's not the right uh, tone of voice. <laughs> no, like you need to be wearing like a llama rainbow t-shirt like what are you doing <laughs> or um yeah no, I'll, I'll make sure like that's that's done in the best way possible Camilla, i'm actually curious like who who's gonna be playing you oh <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if i'm gonna be a, a part of the movie we'll see that, that, that would be crazy like i don't know you can have kind of like a like a stan lee appearance where you're kind of like you know it's like it's you Oh yeah, I, I'd love to do a cameo. Like you're kind of like sure. if you know if you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe that will be on NFT. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I was thinking maybe even Je- uh, Jesse Eisenberg because you know how he played Mark Zuckerberg in oh, The Social right. Network. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you know I don't know if he can pull that, but maybe him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Cami, uh, I just kind of wanted to switch the subject real fast. Um, towards the defiant more so for mm-hmm. those who don't know could you explain what the defiant is kind of at a high level yeah um so the defiant is a content platform focusing on decentralized finance and web3 um we have a, a a podcast a youtube channel and we have a newsletter and daily uh, news articles that are published on the website thedefiant.io um, I started the Defiant in 2019 as a Substack newsletter, uh, but now it's grown into a media organization uh, with um, 18 people in our core team. Um, and the the whole mission of the Defiant is to become the most trusted information source for decentralized finance and Web3. So how we um, are different uh, and uh, and kind of are hoping to make an impact is delivering um, objective, unbiased uh, journalism of just like the the highest standards, like all of the the, the best practices that I I learned at Bloomberg. I'm bringing over to the Defiant um, for a news platform that is focused on the decentralized economy. So while uh, Coindesk and the blog and Decrypt cover all of crypto, uh, I, we, we focus on, on very specifically decentralized finance and, and Web3. Um, I think kind of that's the most exciting uh, uh, aspect of, of this space. And, um, and while kind of there are different uh, DeFi focus, uh, podcasts, and, and newsletters, there, there are very few that are doing um, 
just like actual journalism, just like reporting the facts uh, without uh, any any bias or without kind of promoting any investments. We're just here to tell you kind of this happened and we trust our audience to uh, make their own decisions and um, and and make up their 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 own opinions on on our information. Um, the long-term vision is to become the Bloomberg of DeFi. So for that, we are uh, building a, a DeFi-focused data platform. Um, right now, DeFi data is very fragmented across different trackers, and it's not very standardized, and, and it's just hard to, to parse and to compare. So we are building a data platform that uh, where you can find all of the DeFi uh, data in one place. Um, and that is very trustworthy. And also that is um, easy to use. Uh, you know, you don't need to uh, write any code or do any kind of SQL queries um, to, to come up with that data. Uh, it's just like very easily searchable. So that's in the works. Um, and the plan is to launch a public MVP in the first half of, of this year. So yeah, that's, that's the defiant. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that that thorough explanation. That's um, that's really cool. We definitely need like an unbiased news source mm -hmm. or just like you know, information. Um, <clears throat> I know you said the the team is eighteen deep, but how big is the the research t uh, team itself? And then kind of what are some of the processes that that team goes through when collecting um, research for your articles and newsletters? Uh, sure. So. Um, the, the Defiant has a, a, a print team, a video team, um, a, uh, like a growth team and a development team. Um, and, uh, I, I'd say like, there's no like research team, but the, like the content side of things is, is a team that does research and, and that's co composed of both video and print. So. In print, uh, we have um, two two editors and three reporters. So the reporters are Owen for now, Brady Dale, and Samuel Haig. Um, the editors are Edward Robinson and YYC Trader. Um, Edward was actually a colleague of mine at, at Bloomberg. Uh, so it was great to uh, be able to bring him over. And then on the video side, um, there is uh, Robin Schmidt, uh, who leads our YouTube channel, and Alp Gasimov on kind of like the content side of things. And then there, there is um, there are, there's a video editor and, and producer who don't uh, have much to do about kind of the content itself. So I'd say kind of for the content side of things, uh, on the print side, it's five people. On the video side, it's it's two people. So. Um, so yes, yeah, seven, seven, uh, reporters and editors, um, researching and writing and, and editing, uh, content, uh, both print and video on the defiant. Wow. Yeah, no, that, that's really cool. And, um, you know, obviously your, your vision is to be the Bloomberg of DeFi. So that'll be really cool to see that expand over the, the coming years. Um, and I just kind of want to ask what your personal, like, what are your favorite trends coming up that you're most excited about? I know you're primarily focused on DeFi and Web3, but more of just like um, as you, not as the DeFi. Um, as me, um, let's see. I think, well, I think like the trends that I'm watching for this year is, um, is DAOs. Um, I think... I, I was really excited to see how um, people started to like really think big uh, with DAOs at the end of last year. Um, I think Constitution DAO kind of really sparked that idea of, wow, like we can uh, coordinate uh, people and money globally to achieve like really big things. Um, and right now, uh, I, I see kind of many different DAOs taking shape um, uh, on the political front. I think it's really interesting. Like uh, crypto really mobilized last year for the infrastructure bill. 
and and now there are different kind of politically minded uh, like activists and like lobbying DAOs taking shape. So um, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, uh, I think kind of initiatives like the Assange DAO um, are are fascinating as well. Um, and then there's like more um, like I don't know like like sillier. It DAOs like like Link DAO, and I saw there's like um, a DAO to 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 buy a Sea World. Maybe I don't know. There, there's been like some really kind of outlandish, like fun uh, ideas for for DAOs. So like I, I, they, like they really span the spectrum from like very serious to like very silly. Um, but like the the core idea of crypto being a vehicle for mobilizing and rallying together and organizing um, people and money globally, I think is really really uh, profound and gets to kind of the core of why this technology matters. So that's that's kind of the the trend um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing develop this year. Yeah. I- I think that's a really interesting point. And DAOs are, in my opinion, are like just getting started, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, there's a DAO that is, um, you know, rounding up funds to buy a piece of land. I think it's in, I think it's in Wyoming. Don't quote me on it. But, you know, just to start a community. All right, and yeah. I think that is super cool mm-hmm. too. And there's going to be DAOs that pop up, you know, for all sorts of different missions and, and, and whatnot. And I think that is really cool as well. Um, Shifting a little bit towards Ethereum, what are your current thoughts on like the current state of Ethereum with the high gas fees and whatnot? Um, yeah, e- Ethereum is, is going through such a pivotal moment right now uh, with, you know, being so close to the merge. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's like we're about to see like uh, a historical moment um, on Ethereum with the merge to, uh, between proof of stake and the application layer of the network. Um, so I think we're kind of going through just like a very um, uncomfortable growing uh, pain of, of Ethereum. Uh, we've seen it become like such a hugely popular blockchain. Um, it's you know, in, in some in some aspects, even overtaking Bitcoin itself and in, in kind of the, the volume of, of transactions and like the development activity um, and like fees paid. So it's just like become massively popular. And of course, that that's uh, that has an impact in in fees and in how expensive it, it's getting to actually use it. Um, but you know, it's, it's a result of all of the demand that uh, there is for the network. So yeah, like I said, it's, it's really a pivotal moment uh, for it. It's kind of like a make or break moment for Ethereum. Um, if the, the merge is uh, successful, um, and, and shards enable it to scale and it's able to uh, integrate well with, with rollups, um, uh, to become, you know, uh, their layer two scaling solutions. Um, I think it can continue to to uh, be um, an important uh, hub for for blockchain activity. But um, you know, otherwise, it, it really risks uh, losing that uh, that lead to all the other uh, layer one blockchains that are that are popping up and offering uh, cheaper uh, transactions and faster confirmation times and so on. So yeah, like I said, it's it's really like a make or break uh, moment for it. I'm actually curious, Mel. And I know you're obviously a lot of your history is with ETH, um, but you know you've talked to a lot of other um, founders and creators of other layer ones. I'm actually curious, like, do you believe that crypto is a multi-chain or has a multi-chain future? Um. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I think, you know, the, the, um, the fact that there are all these uh, different blockchains um, is, is a reflection of um, different uh, users' uh, um, demand 
uh, and different use cases uh, popping up. So I I don't believe that one blockchain needs to serve all uh, use cases and, and every single user. So I think, you know, like Bitcoin has proven to be um, very good as a like digital gold, like digital uh, store of value. Um, and it keeps like, trying to be something else while I don't think it, it really needs to. Um, Ethereum has uh, become this uh, uh, place where if you want to uh, transact in uh, like a, a very decentralized and, and secure blockchain, uh, you can do that, but you need to pay like very high uh, transaction fees. And maybe that's good for people who like really need that level uh, of of security, so maybe some financial applications will um, will continue to be on 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 Ethereum, but maybe there are other use cases that don't require that level of security, and so maybe um, uh, some kind of uh, use cases with uh, lower uh, transaction amounts, like uh, gaming or even like some sorts of gambling or you know, uh, other use cases, you, you, maybe like social media doesn't need that much um, security or, uh, or, or, or just like you don't need every, every single thing to be on chain. Um, and, and all of those use cases maybe can find a better home on other blockchains. So I definitely think uh, that's, that's a, a, a potential uh, viable future um the thing that now kind of maybe puts a dent on that reasoning is how it connected these different chains can be um because you know i think the for me like the wormhole hack uh, where kind of this bridge suffered a hack worth like 320 million dollars um, that's a bit concerning, you know, and, and Vitalik did say, um, like, had this post, like, just a few days before it about how um, how risky uh, cross-chain bridges are, and then this, like, bridge gets hacked. So um, that, that, that's a bit concerning to me and kind of, like, makes me rethink that, that argument. Like, okay, like, if cross-chain bridges are so risky, then maybe uh, a, like a cross-chain world isn't very viable. Um, that doesn't mean that like multi-chains um, can't thrive, but maybe there won't be so much uh, interoperability between them, which to me is like a lot less fun. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, obviously, you know, too early to tell, but I mean, like bottom line, I think they're, there definitely will be demand for uh, different layer ones. And I, I don't think it will be kind of uh, like winner take all in the layer one um, ecosystem. Yeah, I, I think uh, I definitely agree with a lot of your points. Um, and this kind of touches on this subject and what you said earlier with your data platform. Um, what is your relationship like with the Chainlink team, and do you plan on using or um, integrating Chainlink with your data platform? Oh, interesting. Um, uh, we haven't um, had the need so far to integrate with Chainlink. Um, right now, the way that we're building is uh, accessing uh, like archival blockchain nodes that provide kind of history of uh, different data points uh, for for different blockchains um and that's that's kind of worked out well so far uh, so at the moment we we haven't uh, had the need to to use Chainlink, um but maybe i don't know like for for other uh, pieces of data and metrics that aren't on chain um maybe we'll we'll kind of find the need to use it um but yeah uh, i don't know like uh, so far we, we haven't um and maybe yeah i don't know i think it's a better question for i am um, our data analyst but 
So far, yeah, we're we're getting all our data directly from uh, blockchain nodes. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I just figured that I would ask where um got kind of like chain link junkies up here, all three of us. Oh, okay. Um, and then just kind of my last question before I pass it on to Chase and Mewtwo, or if we go to community questions, is do you see yourself as an inspirational uh, figure for other women to get into the space? Oh wow. Um, well, if I am, I am definitely honored to be that. Uh, I I I I really hope to kind of set an um uh. An example, uh, kind of, uh, for for women who are looking into a space and finding it very intimidating, um, I think it 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 would really make me proud if they they see me, someone who's like not technical, and a woman who has been in this space for for years now, um, and you know I have like runs a, a company here and everything. Um, that if, if, if that is inspirational for them, um, I mean, nothing would make me, uh, prouder. Like I, I really hope to, to inspire that. Um, and, and I, I would really hope to see more women, um, in this space. Like I, I, I always say like, it, it's such a great, um, space for, for women because it, it is kind of permissionless, right? Like you, you really can come uh, to DeFi and Web3 and build, and it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, like you can just, you know, be um, a cartoon avatar and like have a, like a random name and, and it doesn't matter. Like nobody cares about that. And it's, it's very mer- meritocratic. Like you can join a Discord uh, and like start contributing. Um, and so I think it really kind of brings down barriers for for women and for uh, uh, minorities who haven't been very well represented in, in finance and in tech before. So I really, really encourage uh, women and, and really everyone to to start contributing in this space. There's just like so much opportunity, you know, there's like everything still needs to be built, like every project is is hiring, like. By the way, the defined is hiring too, so <laughs> check out our jobs page. Um, but but really, like if you look around, like every major project is is hiring, um, and it's like it's such a fast growing industry. So there's just like so much opportunity, and I I I, I really wish uh, more women uh, would would get involved. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would encourage everyone. Yeah, I think you hit on a lot a lot of good points. Uh, basically, every project that we bring on here is hiring. Um, so for anyone listening, you know, if you're kind of feeling like, oh, I don't know where to apply or I don't know if I have any skills in Web3. I was in college for film and I dropped out and now I have a marketing job in the industry. So like literally just apply and, you know, just get your foot in the door because, you know, is marketing exactly what I want to do? I'm not sure yet, but at least I have my foot in the door and, you know, can, can explore those options. So I definitely encourage women as well to get into the space, um, and, you know, just explore options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this has been, uh, extremely based. I, I really, really respect everything you you've done for, you know, crypto in general, uh, Camille, like this is between the book, uh, the defiant, being a leader for women it's it's awesome to see and we're all really honored to to have you on the stage i wanted to do a quick time check camille sometimes at the end of these we allow like one or two guests to come on and maybe ask questions or are you down for that yeah sure happy to all right yeah if anyone on the audience wants to come on the stage and and ask ask us a question uh feel free to just hit that request button and we'll, we'll let you on we'll give it a few seconds Uh, so sometimes people are shy, <laughs> or you can DM us. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll give it another minute or so. But uh, yeah, Camille, just honestly, really, really appreciate you taking the time out tonight to come and speak with us. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation, and um, yeah, I think uh, you guys uh, have a, a great show. So yeah, was really happy to be invited. Well, we appreciate that, Camille. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, 
Camille, before we hop off, where can everyone that may be tuning in outside of Twitter, where can everyone kind of plug, if you want to plug your socials? Sure. Um, okay, so my, my Twitter is at Cami Russo. Uh, the Defiant Twitter is uh, at Defiant News. Um, and if you go to the Defiant website, you'll find all the links to like the podcast, the YouTube channel and, and newsletter there. So head over to the Defiant.io as well. Let's go. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Everyone, everyone stay based. Yay. <laughs> Everybody. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Based space.